You can put on the lights. We are the only ones who have a God. He's the only one who's called the creator. The difference between a creator and a maker is that a maker uses what already exists. But a creator makes whatever he wants to make out of nothing. That's why God is the only one that can be called the creator. And that is your father. The God of creativity. I was telling them many years ago about a woman called Amy Simple McPherson in America. The founder of the Four Square Gospel Church. Hollywood used to come to her services to see backdrops, to see how she was going to present something because she had original ideas. She wants to talk about law and order. She would bring a policeman on a bike and put it on stage. And she would do props and backdrops that would make Hollywood come and record. Today we go to the world to copy because we've lost our connection with the great creator. And that has never been his plan. We are meant to salt this earth the problem is that we like to put it in religious packaging. We had the privilege of being spoken to by Prince Edward over the weekend on Friday. And this is a man from the Delta region of Nigeria who has a company in Nibadon called Bamisoro. I said, if I were the one, I'd probably have my name in lights or Hefsiba. Or Glory Telephone Company. Sorry, Glory. Because we, we've lost touch. That we're trying to communicate with people. We must speak their language. And remember one of the first DVDs I ever showed. Somebody said, ah, Sunday Adela just speaks their language. And the Lord said to me, do you speak your people's language? I'm not talking about English now. Am I communicating with them? Are we reaching them? Today, the kids, what they listen to, the music they listen to, you can't force them to come and listen to hymns. You're wasting your time. Not because hymns are bad, but can you imagine what our... Do you know what my, what my wife and I's music is was noise to my parents? As hip-hop is noise to me. I mean, I like it sometimes. But I don't understand it most of the time. They talk too fast. They have to play it and listen. I don't, what did he say here? And I'm somebody who's passionate about words. So if I can't hear what you're saying, your music is gone. And so, what you think is noise is not noise to them. And you watch the generation that's coming after, you wait until they play music. You'll be wondering, is this music? And those days, there'll be one person with a keyboard. He will play every instrument, Sammy. Everything programmed. Blah, 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 blah. What, what is this? This is not music. It's not what we were told. But to them, it's music. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to try and bridge everything we've been doing tonight with something that I felt today with something I felt is so important we need to take into consideration I learned this from Mark Hamby Dr. Mark Hamby truth ladies and gentlemen is not a destination Jesus is the Lord it's truth he died for your sins it's truth he rose again from the dead for your sins it's truth However, for you to know that truth and not do something with it or go somewhere with it, it'll be a waste of time. Truth is not a destination. And the problem with us is that we know the truth, but we're not doing anything with it. Amen? 
Amen? So let me try and see what I... You know, I, I was looking at creation again and I realized that what God did was that the first thing he did about creation was that he made the earth first. Genesis chapter 1. Everything in place. Then he went and created man and put him on the earth and said, restore, replenish, multiply, be fruitful. Remember that? But have you noticed that when it came to salvation, he did exactly the same thing? He came on earth first. He restored the kingdom. Then he redeemed man. He redeemed man to put him in the kingdom to multiply, replenish. Am I making sense? We, we, it hasn't changed. It's the dimension that has changed. It's the same assignment we had in Adam that we have today. Except that this assignment is to bring his dominion to bear upon this earth. Am I making sense? We, 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 need to, we need to understand that. And, and, you know, and, and that's why ever so often we need to constantly listen to what God is saying now. You say, why? Because God told Abraham, go and kill your son, Isaac, right? That church would have been called the Isaac Killing Church. For the sake of a better argument. What happened, however, when he got to Mount Moriah, he heard another word that says, don't kill your son. I have a ram in the thicket. Use that one instead because you have obeyed me and I will make you a blessing to nations. You know, you all know the scriptures. Am I making sense? Now, what if they didn't hear that word? No, in this church, we kill all our firstborns. Abi, some of us wouldn't have made it. In this church, once you are firstborn, you are dead. You have 18 years to live and that's it. We are finished. Why? Because God told us 2,000 years ago that all firstborns must be sacrificed. What about the current word? Somebody says God doesn't change. Well, why don't we go and offer him 1,000 cows this afternoon as offering? God doesn't change. He's talking about his character, not his methodologies. We're using multimedia, air conditioning. We're using microphones. Jesus didn't use any of that. So maybe we should all go to the riverside and get a boat and I preach to you. Let's see how many of you will come to church next Sunday. And I'm yelling on top of my voice and I'm telling you, and I'm probably dressed in uh, wild honey and whatever outfit that John the Baptist was living in. God changes. Amen? We must change. We cannot pour this thing. You see, right now, this is what is happening to us. We are on a journey right now. We are moving from one place as a church. We are tired of religion. The problem with us is that we can turn being tired of religion into religion. You know, I'll explain it to you in a minute. Jesus is the way. That's the revelation. Jesus is the truth, that's revolution. And that's something Pastor, Pastor Moses said to us on Sunday. He says, notice revolution. It's something that is constantly in front of you, like the sun, like the earth revolving around the, the sun. And then Jesus is the life, is the reformation. This is the crucial point where the word becomes flesh. What separates this church from the church down the road? What separates redeemed from winners? Who can tell me? Doctrine. What separates all churches today is nothing but, I'm told that there are over 3,000 3, registered Christian organizations in America. Are you saying that there are 3,000 doctrines in the Bible we can't agree on? 
And the problem is, when you come out today and you pack your car and say, oh, this is what we do. This is how we do it. What you've created is a doctrine and you can start another religion. We did it with the Catholics. Let me see if I can find it. I, 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 I'll probably get back to it in a minute. We did it. Can you remember what happened when we became Christians? The Catholics, what, what did we say? What, what did we used to say to Christians those days? The Catholics, our Catholics are too formal. You know, they have this one hour service. Everything they wanted to do is, everything they want to do is all organized. Remember that? Or the Anglican. Everything they wanted to do was organized. Come on. The, the priest would come in at a particular time, say exactly the same word. What is the difference now between the Pentecostals and the Catholics? Our services are predictable. Four fast numbers and three slow ones. Tell me if I'm lying. Altar call, soft music, um, come as you are. Somebody who's never heard this song before, um, without one plea, we sing it to a person who's never heard it before. We are actually appealing to the emotions of Christians, not the unbeliever. Don't forget about it. I'm not, let me go to another section. This, this, this section is not serious. You know, but, but seriously, we have become as denominational as they are. What we were criticizing is the very thing we are doing. Some of you, the first time you came to church and you saw tables, you wanted to go back. Talk to me now. Because it wasn't normal. We were supposed to sit in rows. I'm supposed to be looking at your, your score for me to feel I'm in, in church. Now when we give you a microphone to talk, have you noticed that most of you cannot talk? Because you are not used to giving your opinion in church. We are supposed to come and tell you that we are right. We know the word. Open your mouth. Let me put it inside. But giving you an opportunity to talk back to me. No, everybody's shy. I don't want to offend the man of God because he's man of God. I was born man of God. Go and check my passport. No man of God inside. I'm just a man like you. Praise the Lord. Remember what we said about how the Bible is a picture book? Can, can we take a journey this morning? I'm going to paint the picture for you. I started it last week. And then I'll show you where we're going. The challenge we're going to face as a church is that we're not where we're going. But we're not where we were before. But like Israel of old, we can be stuck in the middle. And that's my fear. Because challenges will come. Giants will come. Our giants are already there. Somebody got up this morning sitting over there said he wants to go into the media. There are huge giants there. Waiting for you. The owners of daily times and whatever, they're waiting for you. They want, they want to come in and bring righteousness? No lie. No, no, no. They want to change the value system of our movie industry? It's a lie. There's a giant standing there saying, no. Now, let's take a journey. He left Judea, John chapter 4. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria. So he had to go to Samaria. And Samaria is a place, you know, it's, it was in between where he was going and where he was coming from. Are you here? I, I don't really have time. I want to move very fast. And there's this, now there was a parcel of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. there Jesus, therefore being weary from his, from his journey, sat on the well and it was the sixth hour. Because numbers are important. You need to take into consideration all that. Six is the number of man. Alright? Now there, there, there came a woman, to, a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said, Now give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. Then he said of the woman of Samaria, How is it thou being a Jew? Ask me, a Samaritan, for water. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breed Jews. They were not Jews. They were not Gentiles. They were half and half. And they began an argument over worship. Alright? And Jesus said, If you knew the gift that 
of God and, and who has asked you to give me to drink, you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence would you draw thy living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof, and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered unto her and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drink the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him shall be unto him a well of water springing up to everlasting all that. Let me read. The woman said unto her, Give me this water that I may not thirst. Neither shall I come here to drown. Jesus said unto her, Go and call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, Well, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. In that thou sayest truly. Then the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive, we spoke about perception last week, that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that is Jerusalem, the place we're supposed to worship. Notice that. Our fathers say you should worship here, but you said this is where we're supposed to be arguing over doctrine. I'll get there in a minute. I want to quickly do this. You worship what you know that. We know what or who we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And Uma says, oh, there's a Messiah supposed to be coming. Who is called the Christ? When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says, I am he. And upon this came his disciples and the marvel, and they talked with that woman. Yet he said, No, Who's, what seekest thou? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, Come and see the man who told me all things that I ever did, and is this not the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed to him, saying, Master, eat. I said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Had any man brought him ought to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not, are there not four months that come at the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white ready for harvest. I've told you before, every time you read in the Bible about a woman, it can be the church. You agree? But I want you to notice what happens. And I don't want to quickly keep going back to scripture. I want you to notice this. comes to meet the church. Where? Stuck in the in-between place. And the first argument that the church has with Jesus is over doctrine. We're supposed to go to camp once a month. We're supposed to fast once a month. You know, I, I tell people all the time, you can never find scripture that tells you when you're supposed to have service. There is no order of service in the Bible. It was created by men for convenience. We walk X amount of days. This is our free day, the best day to have church. If you are living in Saudi Arabia, you will have Sunday service on Saturday. Will God still answer you there? Oh, okay. You didn't know. Some of you don't know. Man made most of this rule. So the first argument she has with Jesus is over doctrine. And she's sitting at the well. And they begin to talk about that. There's so many things they talk about there that I, I don't want to go into, but I want to catch some key things. I want you, and because I'm going somewhere with all this. When they finished their initial conversation, Jesus said to her, Go and bring your husband. And she, and she says, I have no husband. Jesus says, You speak rightly. You've had five, the fivefold ministry ministering into you. And now the sixth person, which is your humanity. Is what you've been depending on. But the seventh man is sitting at the well, Jesus himself. Now watch this. Don't, 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 don't get excited about all those. That's not the point I'm trying to make. Let me get what I want to get out of this for you. 
And I need you to hear me very well. When she accepted what Jesus was teaching her and accepted what Jesus was teaching her, I want you to notice that it is the woman who went to the city, not the, not the husband. One woman turned the whole city towards God. We've been expecting the fivefold ministry to do the work of the ministry. And we're getting absolutely no results. Because our job in the fivefold ministry is to equip you for you to go out there and make a difference. Am I making sense? So I want you to see what God is showing us here. That from this simple picture, it's the woman that went to the city. And when she went to the city, she preached. They came. Not only did they come, they came and said, we're not even going to listen because you spoke. We're going to listen because we've met him. She was speaking their language. Am I making sense? That's why if you are in, if you are a teacher in school, there's something you can do. If you are a cook, a steward in a cafe, there's something you can do. That's why if you are a bartender or a salesman, there's something you can do. Whether you are a driver to somebody, there's something you can do. Whether you work in a bank, there's something you do. Whether you are a medical doctor, whatever you are, God will use you where you are. You don't have to come and carry this load that we're carrying here. Praise the Lord. Alright? And see, this, this same thing has been on for a long time. When Israel left Egypt, remember what happened? I, I, I need to get there. I need to get there. I want, I want to show you that because I, I'm going somewhere. God sent, and you know, this is very interesting. You know, for many years, I used to think it was Moses that sent out the spies. I used to think so. But look at what scripture says. In Numbers chapter 13, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Send thou men that they may search the land. God instructed Moses to send spies out. I don't want to read all this because to me it's boring to keep reading it for you. Because you have your Bible. But he sends out spies. God sends out spies. He sends 12 spies out. And they come back and they have wonderful reports. And they told him, we came onto the land that thou sentest us. Verse 27. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They brought the fruit back. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land. That is what is going to happen to us after this particular anniversary. Some of you are going to get up and say, God has called me. And then you get straight into the place God has called you and you're going to see giants. You're going to try to get into an industry. You're going to see huge people bigger than you. Who are controlling the industry. Who, who, who are running it. Listen to me. Um, uh, Prince Edward will, will confirm this. Listen to me. This business, I mean, is a cartel. Am I lying, sir? The jobs of giving conferences and doing something is circulated among certain people. It's difficult to break into their cartel. They have an arrangement. One time, one particular man, I was looking for a place to do a program. And they, they approached me and I said, come and do your program here. They said, okay, they were coming, they were making offers and so on. So finally, one man called me from MBA and said, Pastor, they want to come to your place. They're really considering. I said, okay, come and, come and do it. Come and do it for free. Because I wanted to bring them in. Are you listening to me? MBO was excited. They got, they got so excited, so they called their consultant who arranges all these programs. He went up to them and said, Ah, the owner of that place is a pastor. He will not allow you to bring beer in.
second day, third day, I didn't hear from MBL. I finally called MBL. And I said, what's wrong with you people? What's happening? I gave you this place for free. And they said, we heard that you won't allow beer to come in. And we sell beer. I said, I had never said that to anybody. Whatever you sell is your business. Am I making sense? I'm not going to tell you what to sell. Are you getting my point? And I'm not going to stop you from selling what you're selling. I'd rather teach you to stop selling what you're selling than to force you to stop doing it. I don't know if you get my point. But, this is, but that's what they live for. Guess what happened? The guy gets a commission for every conference center he uses in Ibado. So he knew that the minute they came here, his commission was out. It's a syndicate. There is no industry you're going to go into that there won't be a cartel that controls it. Those are the giants you're going to meet. And whether you like it or not, we're going to meet giants. Are you here? Now watch this. I want to show you how bad things can get. They said, the people that dwell there are great. We saw the children of Enoch there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Jebus. And they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell in the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb still the people and said, let us go up at once and possess it. Because we are able to overcome it. This is a man that had a different spirit. And look at what he says. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go against these people. For they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land though we have gone to search it is a land that eated up the inhabitants don't lie to me some of you wanted to say I'm going to go into this industry between the time we started teaching you about when we came up from the Ukraine and now some people have walked up to you and said you're wasting your time you can make no difference am I right? come on talk to me now people have told you that already uh-uh. you you want to change Nigeria? <laughs> I laugh at you and right now you backed away. Talk to me now. All right, let's go on. They put an evil report. It says it eated up the inhabitants of the land. Where, where am I? Thirty-two. I just read thirty-two. Okay, thirty-three. Thank you. And there we saw giants, the son of Enoch, which came to which sorry, which come of the giants. This is new old King James. It's a horrible thing to read. And sorry that's just me talking and we were on our in our own sight as grasshoppers as we were in their sight how did they know that and the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of israel murmured against moses and against aaron and the whole congregation said unto them would god that we had died in the land land of religion or would god that we had died in the wilderness wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey, were it not better for us to do what? To return. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how painful and how tough the temptation is going to be. To go back. To come to church as usual. To sing the five songs and the three hymns. You know, we, we are one of the most, I was telling them in first service that the whole world has turned to reality programs. The church is still pretending. You have Big Brother, African Idols, West African Idols, whatever they call themselves. But we are still pretending. How are you? Praise the Lord. I'm fine. The Lord is good. Meanwhile, he's suffering. When all he has to do is say, oh boy, things hard, oh, help me. Now talk to me now. We are pretending now. Most of us, we wear the best suits on Sunday. That's why I'm wearing kaftan today. It's my day off. 
Some of you were shocked that I went after. Somebody was asking me the other day, he said, why do I always wear a jacket? I said, I have to keep my chest warm. It has nothing to do with the weather. Because I know some of you want to know too. Because right now I'm wearing a t-shirt inside this thing to keep my chest warm. That's why I'm sweating. It's not the anointing. It was so bad they wanted to go back to Egypt. They don't know what they're talking about. Twelve spies. Ten said, we can't do it. You all know what happened. Do you know what happened? Everybody, including those that didn't spy the land, died. And God kept only two alive. And we're not going to get there. And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of God. And all congregation lifted their voice and cried. And the people well that night. I think there's a particular phrase that said they wept all night. They wept all night. You know, all night crying meeting. All night they wept. For a promise that God had given them. For a vision that God had shown them. They were crying. Because of the giants. Ladies and gentlemen, where we are going, they are giants. I've come this morning to tell you it's not going to be easy. And that's why what he said, what Martin Luther said made sense to me. But what, what, what shocked me the most was that it came quicker than Martin Luther ever thought it would be with Obama. Believe me, as of, I don't even believe Barack Obama believed he would have gotten to where he got to. Because it came too fast. And have you noticed I was standing for Sami? There has been no presidential candidate in the history of America that has been so favorably respected by the press. And it comes at a time when America is so unpopular that they themselves realize they need change. A black man? I was listening, we were watching um, what's his name? This Chris, Chris Rock. When Bush was trying to appoint uh, this black man to be his uh, vice presidential candidate um, Colin Powell one time so there were, Chris Rock went on uh, Saturday Night Live and said ah it's not possible Bush will never do it he said why he said because the minute he makes Colin Powell a black man will go and shoot Bush so that Colin Powell can become president and says, so he said, what are they going to do to me after I shoot, shot Bush and, it's come, and the black man comes when I get to jail all my black brothers will say man you are the man <laughs> that was how cynical they were four years ago and a man says I have seen I've gone to the mountain place I have seen it I may not get there with you but my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord that's what happened to us when we went to the Ukraine we saw a glimpse possible in Nigeria we saw a dream of what was possible in this city. We saw a nation that could be turned around without adding one more person to the church. And that's the glimpse we're just trying to show you. And you know, funny enough, a few days after he said that he was shot, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
were of them that searched the land and rent their clothes and they spoke unto all the company of Israel saying the land we passed on so we passed through to search it is an exceedingly good land and if the Lord delight in us he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which fled with milk and honey only rebel not remember, I remember when Pastor Tunde came he said whenever we read the word the land that flows with milk and honey we're always thinking of blessing he says no he says milk is protein and sorry he says milk, honey is protein and milk is carbohydrate it's to give you energy to do the work Only rebel you not against the Lord, neither fear them. Hey. For they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. I don't know about you. There's no project, including the world, that we've started that we've not been disappointed. We had surprises. At the middle of the construction of the world, we had to take off the whole roof and redo it. It cost us another 300,000. Money we didn't budget for. But I've learned these things are just stones that you step on. Are you here? Now, let, let me say this. This is what Makambi said, and I, and I need you to understand this. He said, all of us sitting in this church right now, we are either wells or we are cisterns. It's a water tank that you put outside. And the drama between a well and a cistern is this. A cistern, you have to put the water inside to use it. You have to put a water pump attached to it. Or you have to fill it with a tanker. You know, we do that in Nigeria very well. You know that? Or some summer, you get somebody to pour water inside. Whatever the case may be. A cistern needs an outside source to fill it. While a well is its own source. We are either wells or cisterns. And sometimes we are both wells and cisterns. And that's why Proverbs says, drink waters out of your own cistern, running waters out of their own well. You see, this is the problem with each one of us. We've got to understand is this. Until, if all we do, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, if all we do is bring you to church Sunday after Sunday, and then you're about to, you mean your life is going through hell. And you come to, Sunday, come to church and you come and Pastor Sammy and I, and some of the guest ministers come in, we just fill you back again with the word of God, encourage you. Say, Bele, you can make it for another week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, thank you, Pastor. Just fill me up. Thank you. Uh, uh, I receive. And you go out again. For the next one week, the devil beats out some of the food we're giving you. You suffer a little bit. Things are tough in town. And then you come back next week. You just managed to make it to the gate. Pastor, I just managed to make it to church this morning. Oh yeah, fill me up again. Fill me up. You are nothing but a cistern. Which means you keep coming to church to be filled. Is that what we're supposed to be? If all we do is fill the cisterns that come to us, we will never reach the city. What this church needs, sorry, what this city needs, what this nation needs, is thousands of wells strategically located in the city. You know, I have a well out here. It's about three rings, 
full of water, two and a half most of the time. I remember when Stephen used to walk with me. Very funny. I'll ask Stephen, uh, uh, i tell them, please, can you pump water into the tank? They'll tell me, our pastor, the, well in the, the water in the well is not much in our pastor. So I said, okay, pump it. Our pastor, you see, the water didn't get anywhere. We told you, let's go and buy. I said, wait. Two hours time, I said, go back. And pump again. They will pump. Our pastor is, well, I'll go back again. Two hours later, go back again. Pump. See, the beauty of a well, no matter how shallow it is, once you take out what you put inside, it will fill up again. Because it's coming from within. And you see those two tanks over there? We fill them every day. Mr. Kenny, Mr. Kenny, am I lying? And I keep telling them, I say, don't worry. Don't worry about the water that is in the well. You keep drawing it. As you draw it, another one comes back. This is the problem. It's like, it's like money in the bank. If you keep the water there and you don't allow people to draw, nothing new will come in. And this is what Jesus said. He answered the woman at the well. And answered the woman at the well. That's what he said to her. Whosoever drinks the water of this physical well that you are struggling with will come back and thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, number one, he will never thirst. Yea. He will never thirst. Forget about the world. Forget about anybody else. He's guaranteeing you that if you become the well he wants you to become, the first person that will benefit from it is who? You. You will never thirst. You know, some of you, you amaze me. I, I, I look, when, when, Tunde Kelani, when, 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 when Tunde Kelani walked into that place last week, for me, it was satisfaction. And I remember what happened. We were trying to do sound and music and I kept thinking that, God, how do I pay honorarium to the kind of people I want to invite? And we're going to invite people like Sonia Ade and Ebenezer Obey. You watch. You don't have to say amen. I know they will come. You see, you, you put yourself down. I'm bigger than that. They will say, oh, that man, we need to go there. We must register there. We've heard that the likes of Tunde Kalani have gone. We must go and put our name there. When we said, I said, look, okay, 500 naira, but for the choir to be free. So that we'll have enough money to invite these guest ministers. Then one day I'm in a dilemma, I'm thinking in my room, I'm confused. And I'm saying, Lord, you know why I'm doing this thing. And all of a sudden I get an inspiration from God. Don't ever charge for any program that you're doing. Ah. Meanwhile, we have to get diesel, we have to print flyers, we have to do advertisement. Don't charge. I remember calling Ife at that time. I said, okay, all the programs, including ECDC, from now on, make everything free. And you know, you'll be scared. Because, guess what? We've had the people like Tunde Lakelani who have come and they've not cost us a penny. I'm not saying it's not costing somebody money, but I'm saying it hasn't cost us a dime. You see, because once you do something free, your moral compass is clear. You are not distracted because of money. Am I making sense? You are not, you're not doing anything because of the money. You're not, you are doing everything now with a clean, clear heart. 
And a few weeks ago, a few, a few days later, I downloaded a TED talk from the internet about a man who's giving out who's giving out free laptops, trying to give one laptop per child, a hundred dollar laptop. And this is what he said. He said, being a non-for-profit organization keeps your moral compass clean. Not only does it do that, it says you will get the best minds for free. Because they will only be doing it because they're doing it for good. And that's why next week Friday, there will be somebody in that auditorium that you won't believe will come somewhere for free. Because we've realized, and I remember, sir, I don't know if he, if he told you, um, uh, Tunde Kalani, as we were walking out of the auditorium that day, we were walking out. He said, he said, we inspired him by that program. That's what he told us. He said, we, our, we that came to be inspired by him. As he was walking out, he said to me, Pastor Francis, you've inspired me with this program. And I'm wondering, Jeje Nimojoko, I don't know if you get my point. I'm telling you something that at the end of the day, I am the one who gets first blessed by Ideas Bridge. I am the one who first gets blessed by meeting. To, how many of you know Tunde Kelani? How many of you have his telephone number? Sorry, let me just go to another section. How many, can, I, can I give you? How many of you know Dr. Degbala and can get access to him at 12 midnight? What, what about uh, the Ige family? Well, can I give you a long list of people that I know now? Guess who's being fed first? Me. And I'm not doing it for that. But look at what he says next. They will never the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. But he went further that even after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he says, out of you, shall flow rivers rivers of living water this is what I'm trying to say to you if we step out of religion can I I stop and say this remember Jesus' purpose Whenever he goes to any city, who remembers what Jesus proposed when he goes to a city? He's to reach people. He's to win people. He's to, he's to turn them from kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. You know that? His assignment in Samaria was to reach Samaria. But guess how he reaches Samaria? Through one woman. He achieves his purpose. In other words, God has a purpose for this earth. It's not for him to sleep in Samaria. It's to reach Samaria. My challenge to us right now is this. We've left religion. We've had this ambition to do something for God. We can stop and turn it into a doctrine. Or we can turn it into life. You see, you cannot fail with life. Remember what Sunday Adelaide just said? One of the tapes that I played here. One of the very first tapes I played here. He said, when he dies, He's making sure he doesn't leave a denomination. He says, I'm not going to leave a denomination. He says, you know why? He says, I don't. He says, because when Jesus died, he didn't leave a central church and say, from this central church, all our instructions will be going out. He said, you know why? He says, because if death should come upon that central church, they will command that death into all the other churches. 
He says, but if every church is independent and the central church should die, then all the other churches will keep growing. He says, even if 1,000 dies and 1,000 are still alive, they will keep going. That's why God wants us to be wells all over the city and all over the economy, all over this country because he knows that sometimes wells go dry. What if I get dry? God forbid. But what if I get dry? It's not enough to leave religion. Sit down and turn it into a doctrine and come there and say, we are different in this church. No. We're not going to be different in this church until we start touching the city. We're not going to be different in this church until we start making an impact in our offices. We're not going to be, until we start bringing life, until the word becomes. And I'm saying this early because I know some of you are already facing challenges. I am already facing challenges. Do you know that we, right now, there is more talk about the well outside now. Now they've forgotten that we're a church. Everybody's arguing about whether a church should own a nightclub or not. And I said, that's good publicity for us. That's great. Keep arguing. Keep talking about Harry Potter. The more you talk about it, the more children find out, the more they read it. Instead of you to write your own book, you are talking about somebody else's well. Now, unbelievers want to know, want to go to that Christian uh, bar and see what they are doing there. I got to close. If we don't, we would end up creating another denomination out of what God is showing us. And that's not the plan. That's not the plan. That's not the plan. What I want us to do, I remember many years ago I had a man. He said, this is the problem with Christians and Christianity today and Pentecostals. He says, the Muslims would they would invest in the person, develop the person, change his life, give him interest-free loans. And they will say, all we're asking you is that when you produce your aqua dana, can we just write at the bottom here in Arabic, Allah is God. And they empower the people. And that one looks at you and says, when I was in trouble, you didn't come to me. When I was suffering, you didn't help me. These Muslims came and they helped me and they empowered me. And you are telling me to condemn them, not to put their label on my bottle. I will put it and when I get to heaven, I will, I will tell God to forgive me. He said, but Christians, you know what we do? We count. 3,000 souls were saved last week. 2,000 were saved two years ago. My church is 100,000 strong. It doesn't matter how big your church is. It's what your church is doing. Ladies and gentlemen, where we're going is not like where we're coming from. Am I making sense? It's not the same. And that's why, you know, when you get to the Ukraine and you walk into Sunday, the largest church, I'm sorry to say this, our backdrop is better. Our screens are better located. 
they are like any other church. The music is the same. Dance, place the Lord, lift up your hands. You know when they make their own altar call? Before the sermon. I think you We were sitting in the auditorium. They had just finished making an announcement. As soon as they finished making an announcement, one young man walks up to the pulpit and begins to, no, no sermon, no. And he begins to make the altar call. And 100 people started coming out. 200, 300 people started coming out. Of that. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Ah, you have not preached now. Jesus is Lord now. You have not, you have not hyped the whole place. No, 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 no. The work had already been done before they came to church. Those people were simply just coming to church to establish themselves and say, we want to belong here. I'm supposed to talk when I finish and I'll tell Biodun to play one soft sound. And I'm sitting in this auditorium and I'm looking at my wife. And I'm saying, they're doing an altar call. No sermon. 200, 300 people are giving their lives to Christ. Because the work was done in the gym. The work was done in the school. The work was done in the classroom. The work was done. And that's not the only place people were being saved that day. They were being saved even in churches that had nothing to do with that church. The last time there was a crusade in Ibadan, they came, they called all of us to a meeting and you know where I'm coming from. They said, you know what? We have to locate all our people in the follow-up department. That's why I had Bonke Crusade. They said, oh yeah, pastor, all your people must go to the follow-up. Don't worry about ushering and all that. Follow-up. So that when people are saved, you can just give them the address of your church. I withdrew from that meeting because we had missed the point of salvation. Salvation is not to bring people to our church. That's not the point. Salvation is to bring people to God. So where we're going is not like where we're coming from. So we don't even have a model to look at except the one God chose us. Am I making sense? So don't put it in any box. Don't put it in any formularized thing. It's going to be totally upside. I told you about many years ago, God told me, you're going to have a 24-hour church. And I was bored stiff. Because to me, a 24-hour church was the church where you're singing praise and worship for 24 hours. And believe me, I can get bored of singing for 24 hours. I know I'm singing to God, but I'm sorry. I'm human. I get tired. Oh, you don't. That's why you are singing right now to God. I get bored. How can I be singing 24 hours, bowing my head, singing 24 hours, not achieving anything tangible? Wait a minute. Something is wrong. So I didn't take him seriously. Then one day he said to me, you see, that's your problem. The model you have in your head is what you have seen in the past. He says, let me show you a 24-hour church. The 24-hour church is that you have a facility that as one group is finishing their program, another group is coming in. Another group is coming, they're finishing. So every day your door is swung open because today they're ministering to the leper. Tomorrow they're ministering to the sick. Tomorrow they're doing this. They're ministering to those who don't have jobs. Next week they're doing this for those who are looking for something else. It's going to be a multi-ministry. But the door will always be swung open. So where we're going doesn't look like where we're coming from. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, the time is coming and now is when true worshippers will not worship him in the mountain, will not worship him in Jerusalem, but they will worship him inspired by the Spirit and inspired by truth. Because truth is not a destination. And this is 
what is so interesting to me I have preached here many times many many times from the day I understood God that worship is not singing slow songs and I tell you all the time if you are somebody who worships money do you take Naira notes and say Naira I love you Naira you are the best thing that has ever happened to me do you do that if you worship Naira it means everything you do is for Naira or dollars for those of you who are that desperate now that is sliding okay euro but the point is worship is a lifestyle do you know what I also discovered recently that evangelism is a lifestyle there was a man on a ship he was the only born again Christian on the ship but somehow everybody knew not to swear around him because of his conduct the guy said every time he's coming if they were fighting these two people were boxing each other the minute he walks in they'll stop and they'll say sorry 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 when he passes they'll keep so finally one of the people on the ship said immediately I got back to the country I went and bought, my, bought myself a bible because I wanted to read about that man in the bible because his conduct he carried the presence of God wherever he went some of us think that evangelism is come and give your life to Christ he says you shall be witnesses he didn't say you shall witness you shall be you the way you carry yourself the way you walk the way you do whatever you do shall be a witness to an unbeliever and say I want to be like that person remember you said come and give your life to Christ you know what I finally discovered now that the kingdom is a lifestyle You cannot separate it from where you live. You can't separate it from where you work. You can't separate it from your children. You can't separate it from the taxi driver you're going to get into his taxi today. You can't separate it from the bus driver you're going to meet as you leave this place. You can't separate it from the person that's going to argue with you tomorrow morning. You cannot separate it from any part of your life because that is who you are. A child of the kingdom. So what are you going to ask me now is what does it look like? I don't know. But the Bible tells me that when I see it, I will recognize it. Because he, 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 what did he say? What, what we said last week about when we see him, we shall be like him. But the key, ladies and gentlemen, is realizing that we need to understand that anything we do is for God, not for denominations. I remember, Yemi was in my office a few days ago. This guy was, got an admission to Harvard. Was it Harvard University? The top-notch, brilliant, intelligent girl. I like that girl. She challenges me every time we sit down to talk. She provokes me. If I say something, she will argue with me down to the ground. I better be sure what I'm talking about. She challenges me. So she said, I, I, I left I, I deferred my admission to Harvard to work for God in one church so I said no you deferred your admission to Harvard for church not for God one day you will discover it that many things we do is working for church not working for God because the church has its own parameters for judging whether you're working for it are you an usher? do you play the keyboard? do you do you give offering and tithe 
Are you faithful to attend meetings? That is how the church measures whether you are working with them or not. But that is not how God measures whether you are working with Him. You may attend all the services and be a tither. You may come here and be the best usher in this congregation. You may have been displeasing God every step of the way. And that is why it is to Him we stand or to Him who are you worshipping? It's whoever you are worshipping. That's the person you serve. In the temptation of Jesus, the devil came to him and said, bow down and worship me and I will give you the kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, no, it's whoever you worship. It's only God you worship and it's only God you serve. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that when they, he appeared in the temple, there were angels with six wings. Remember that? With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. So in other words, when you cover your face and you cover your feet, that's worship. Two, they flew. That's service. You worship twice as much as you serve. If we don't turn your attention to God and to his deep personal work and relationship and calling with you outside the four walls of this church the church itself wouldn't make sense to you you see because when you come to church our job as pastors is to equip you where you don't have the knowledge where you don't have the thing to do what to go back outside and do what you're supposed to do bring people who are good in their field who they are proven integrity who have proven their integrity to us and we say come and speak to our people and even where they don't have proven integrity we stand by their side and say you can't go too far by the grace of God we're going to bring some of the top notch politicians in this city who we feel have in proven integrity records to talk to some of you about the fact that God is calling you to a political life and to tell you how to avoid the pitfall do you know that a woman who has had a bad marriage can teach you to have a good marriage? Yeah. What does scripture say? It said, let the older woman teach the younger woman how to love their husband. What do we do in church? A woman who's been married for five years, yeah, we're pastor, we're teaching men who have been married 40 years. She doesn't know anything about marriage. Just because she's married to a pastor doesn't make her a pastor. It doesn't come by induction. Okay, by contact. By laying on of hands or laying on of body. Am I making sense? The key is minister to him. In the book of Acts, the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, What do you mean to minister to God? Stop singing those songs that are for you. I have a very big God, you. He's always by my side. A very big God, you. By my, you have a very big God. It's stupidity. He is a very big God. Who I am always on his side. A very big God. Who by his side, by his side. Think. Don't just take what everybody is saying. Minister to him. Minister to him. Wake up one morning and don't ask for you. When the choir got up on Wednesday and all their songs were ministering to the nation and to people and the young lady who did the drama and stood on her toes and says, I can do something. 
Catherine Kuhlman said to God, God, if you can use nothing, here is nothing. And God used her for his glory. No matter who you are here, God wants to use you. Don't let this fivefold ministry defeat you. This is not ministry. This is one aspect of ministry. This is the ministry to the saints. There is the ministry of the saints. You can make a difference where you live. You are a special person in God's hand. He wants to use you in such remarkable place if you would just allow him. But you must minister to him. You must stop going to meetings for what you can get, but go to meetings for what you can give. You have been asking me to bless you. Now I'm asking you to bless me. I'm asking you to bless me. I'm asking you to stop asking me to bless you. Because before you were born, I blessed you. My word tells you that I blessed you in eternity before you were created. Now I'm asking you, bless me. I am your God, but I want you to bless me. Know him. He has needs. His needs are not like your needs. His needs is that little child on the road that has no place to live. His need is that little man who's confused. His need is that person that doesn't know him, that needs you to be a bridge. His needs are not the same kind of needs you and I have. He doesn't need a car. He doesn't need a house. He doesn't need a building. He needs you to be his arms. He needs you to be his mouth. He needs you to be his ear. He needs you to be his feet. He needs you that he may use you and glorify his name. Rana Bonke one time he said he'd never heard God say this he said he went to God one day crying he says Lord why is it so difficult you get to the Nigerian border it's another kind of politics you get to the Togolese border it's another politics I'm tired Lord he says God stood up in a meeting through a man and God pointed to him I said Reinhard Bonke I need you I need you. Just because I know you. You will not allow those borders to stop you. You will not allow this to stop you. And guess what he said there? He says, that's why I made you a German. Because you are resilient. You can take all the accusations. And Abanke said, from that day till today, he has never argued for once with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell you this morning that God needs you. God needs me. He doesn't need me in the sense of lack. But he needs me to touch those he wants me to touch. God bless you.